I've been amazed over the last six months or so as to the number of times I've heard on the radio or watched on the TV and the commentators have been speaking about a person's life and saying this little phrase, they had great potential. Last September after a funeral at Pority, and it was the second funeral that I've taken at the Pority Marae, uh, I had the opportunity to just wander amongst the gravestones and look at the comments that were there and the lives that had passed. And that phrase, they had great potential, got me to think about what might have been and what lay buried beneath. I wondered as I wandered amongst the graves of younger people, how many books were there that had never been written? How many ideas had never been spoken? How many songs had never been sung? How many visions had never really come to reality? People die with great dreams that God has given them still stored in their hearts. Uh, Every one of us has seeds that God's placed there, but the reality is seeds never grow unless they are put in the right environment. Archaeologists have discovered thousands and thousands of year-old seeds in the tombs of Egyptian pharaohs that haven't sprouted that were still, in a sense, alive, still had that life force within them, but they'd never come to anything because those seeds had never, ever been put in an environment where they could grow. And I was thinking, every one of us have great potential, but I'd hate to die, and someone said about my life, he had great potential. Because potential speaks of what you can do but haven't yet done. It speaks or indicates how far you can go but haven't yet gone. It promises how much you can accomplish, but haven't yet accomplished. So this morning, I want to talk to you about some of the first steps that you need to take if you're going to create an environment that will enable you to realize your potential and become all that God has planned and purposed for you to become. We've been doing a series through the book of John, and we're up to John chapter 2 and verse 13. So we're just going to read a few of these passages And then we'll just launch off and um, see where this leads us. But it says in John uh, John 2, verse 13, When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? In fact, in the parallel passage in Matthew, it says that Jesus said, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. And his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. As I read through that, I realized that the temple in Jerusalem wasn't designed to be a marketplace. 
It wasn't built to accommodate cows and greedy men. The, the traders were making it harder for people to connect to God, not easier. The potential and the function of the temple was being diminished rather than being enhanced by its inhabitants. And so Jesus comes in and he cleanses the temple. And that's really interesting because there is a direct analogy here between the temple in Jerusalem that Christ cleansed and the heart of man. Because it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you? In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. We're God's temple. Now, if Jesus was so incensed by what had become of the temple in Jerusalem that he took out a whip and drove those things out that were defaming and diminishing God's holy place, if he took offense at that, how much more do you think he would want to see destroyed those things in our lives? that divert and destroy and limit our potential and diminish the glory of God in us. So many people minimize their potential in life by cluttering up their souls with distractions and just trafficking in things that make them small rather than things that make them large. So what are some of the things that we can do to realize our potential and become everything that we've been created to be and do everything that God has planned and purpose for us to do. I think if you were to look up realizing my potential on Google, you'd find there are just a whole list of stuff that um, people would suggest that you can do if you're going to be everything that you're created to be. But the reality is most of those lists from life coaches miss the very first step. And the very first step is incredibly important. A baby can't walk without starting with a first step. In fact, people with head injuries are often taken back and they learn to crawl, then they learn to take that first step, then they go on. You can't get to running unless you take the first step. So the first step that I see that is so important in which the, whole, the Word of God uh, exudes time after time and after time is that we need to realize that w- what we do will actually flow out of who we are. Potential speaks of doing, but it actually starts with what's happening on the inside. Just as the temple in Jerusalem was never going to become what it was created to be without sorting the stuff out on the inside that was a distraction to the real purpose. So what we do and what we accomplish for God will flow out of who we are in God. And who we are in God is going to be determined by our growth and character and personal relationship with God. Because doing flows out of being. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Or as the King James Version says, For out of it flows the issues of life. For me, I've worked out over the years that the key to successful ministry, 
key to helping people, key to changing a community. It's actually not about a program that we have, the musical style, the small group ministry. It's not just about that stuff, although those things are important, but it's actually about our own internal world and what's happening to us on the inside. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 35, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. See, whatever's on the inside makes its way out. And if the inside is healthy, then stuff begins to get healthy on the outside. If the inside is fractured and hurting or lacking, then that works its way outside as well. If you are healthy on the inside, you'll grow. And you've heard me say before, healthy things grow. Growing things change. Changing things challenge. Challenge forces us to trust God. Trust leads to obedience. Obedience makes us healthy. And healthy things grow. But it all starts with health on the inside. So guard your heart. Keep your heart sweet and soft before God. Proverbs 4.20, the verse preceding those other ones says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For out of it comes the issues of life. So we need to keep God's word at the center of our hearts. Not our fears. Not our anxieties, not our frustrations, not our bitternesses, not our unforgiveness, not our jealousy, not our hurts, but we've got to keep God's word at the center of our heart because it's healing and it's health. And see, the condition of your heart is actually deciding the kind of life you live. Your future is in your heart because Out of your heart comes the issues of life. Your relationships are coming out of your heart. Your work, your career, your destiny, everything that you are and everything you do flows out of your heart. So guard your heart. Defend your heart because out of your heart is going to come your life. Now, one of the things that the Bible does tell us is that the heart of man is desperately wicked. I think that's the words that it, that it uses. And so we need changing. We all have selfish desires. We all have selfish ambitions. We all have had hurts. We've all had unforgiveness. We've all had those fractured things in our hearts that make us unhealthy and therefore make the outside of our lives unhealthy too. So we need to allow the Holy Spirit to come and change us from the inside out. How many know that it's really, really hard to change? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I read the other day that a woman marries a man hoping to change him. And a man marries a woman hoping she won't change, but she does. We'll never grow and never realize our potential unless we change. Because healthy things grow. And growing things change. And you're never going to change unless Jesus is working on the inside. Unless you allow him to have his way in your life. 
And the first step is to invite him in and ask him to have his way in your life and ask him to make his priorities your priorities. I was talking to a young woman uh, before the service and I was thinking back as I was talking to her about the amazing way that God has led me, guided me during the years. And I think one of the most significant things that happened in my life that enabled God to get a hold of me and to direct me in the way that would make for a fantastic life was the fact that in my first year at university, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I'd been brought up in a Presbyterian church. I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know God personally. And when I allowed God to come into my life, everything changed. My perspective on life changed. The way I began to live changed. My character began to change. God started working on the inside. And because he was working on the inside, he could guide me, he could lead me. And one of the greatest things that I think um, that happened to me after I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life was I was with a bunch of people who were just so enthusiastic about the things of God. I just got carried along, and that just made a difference. See, we all have amazing God-given potential within us, but We need Jesus on the inside of us to help us fully develop that potential. No matter how amazing our lives are up till now, we still need to grow and allow Jesus to change us to become more like him. Settling for the status quo will limit your potential. In fact, settling for the status quo is disastrous. It's like pushing water uphill with a rake. It goes backwards. If you settle for where you are, you're not going to grow. In fact, you're going to go backwards. We will need, we always need to be looking to learn and grow and change and be challenged because growing things change. Change always challenges. I think one of the best examples of not settling for the status quo was. Um, told to me a couple of years ago by Christian businessman Murray Tom when he gave me a $160 box set of his Together album. Now, originally, he and Carl Doy had produced the award-winning series Piano by Candlelight, and most of you oldies would have heard um, numbers of CDs of that. Um, Murray is a gold medal-winning Olympic yachtsman, And uh, he didn't win gold by accepting the status quo. And although he had sold millions of dollars worth of piano by candlelight albums, Murray said there was two things that he didn't like about those albums. He didn't like the way they looked, and he didn't like the way they sounded. (laughs) There's not much left, is there? (laughs) Anyway, so so rather than just accept the status quo and think, hey, I've made my millions from, from these albums, he decided that he would repackage them and re-record them, and that's what he did, and he released them as the Together album series. And in 2002, Oprah Winfrey got hold of a set and ended up advertising them for free on her show as as her number one Christmas gift in 2002. 
So when Oprah Winfrey did that, Murray sold a quarter of a million units per hour after the show. Uh, if you do the maths, that's $40 million worth per hour. Change and in innovation brought about amazing fruitfulness. If Murray had just said, candle by candlelight, oh, that's great, got my, got my money, accept the status quo, he would have missed realizing part of his potential. See, God has placed seeds within us and they are amazing and they are designed to give us a future and a hope and enable us to make a difference, but we can't fulfill that potential without changing. And we can't change ourselves. So we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to come in. If we could change ourselves, we already would have. We need Jesus Christ and his power within us that works to change our lives. And as we grow to love Jesus more, Psalm 37.4 says that he places his desires in our hearts. I think it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, when you delight yourself in the Lord, when you put him first, then he actually puts his thoughts, he puts his heart's desires in you so that the things that you want will be the things that actually he wants for you. Jesus loves us too much to leave us the way that we are. Healthy things grow. Growing things changed. We all get hurt. We all get scratched by life. Have you ever had a CD that's been scratched? This Together series I've been playing in the car and one of the most liked of that series, I actually put two big scratches right across the back of the CD. And when I put it in to play it, of course, it stuttered and jumped through at least two of the tracks. And I thought, ah, oh, that's it. Finished. Biff it out. And then I thought to myself, I wonder if I can remake the CD. So I got the CD, put it into my computer, copied the files across into my computer, and then downloaded them and rewrote them onto a new CD and amazingly enough, no bumps, no scratches. The files in behind the scratches were okay, and so it just sounds like the original. And I think, hey, that is so like God with us. He takes us with all of our scratches. He takes us with all of our marks and our imperfections, and he actually says he puts us back on the potter's wheel and begins to remake us and remold us and make something beautiful out of our lives. And he takes those things that we have done to ourselves, he takes those things that other people have done to us, and he begins to breathe his Holy Spirit on us, and he begins to just smooth out the folds, take out the scratches, and make us into what he actually created us to be like. So we need to ask Jesus to shine the light of his Holy Spirit on us and show us those areas that need 
changing, then partner with him to affect that change. We have the potential within us to live in peace. We have the potential within us to live hopeful lives. We have the potential within us to live a life full of forgiveness, a life full of generosity, a life full of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, a life full of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Don't you hate that one? (laughs) Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, all those things. We have the potential within us to live those out to the full in our lives, but to do that, we need Jesus Christ to change us. I can't settle for where I'm at now because, and my wife says, thank goodness for that, because the Holy Spirit in me keeps pulling me onwards, keeps showing me, keeps rubbing the rough edges off. And that leads me to my third point, which is keep focus on feeding and growing your inner man. If everything comes from your heart, then above all else, we should be doing those things that would build us up on the inside because that's where our potential is coming from. 2 Peter 1.5 says this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and mutual affection love. And as I read through that list, many of you are thinking, wow, I haven't even got half of that stuff operating in my life, let alone all of it. And then it goes on and it says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The reality is we have got the potential to live lives with all of those things increasing in our life from day to day. We have the potential to keep on growing those things in our life. But the only way to do that is to create an environment where they'll grow. Like many of you here, Penny and I love the garden. We love getting out. We love planting seeds. We love growing fruit. We love chasing those darn birds away from eating our plums. But the reality is with the seeds, although I've got a four-year degree in applied biological sciences, I would never clue how those blooming seeds grow. Have you ever dissected a seed? Have you ever cut one up? What do you find on the inside? Hey, Noel, you've got a science degree. You've done that. There's nothing there, is there? You look at it. You can't find anything. You put it under it. You take a sliver off. You put it under a microscope. And you still can't see what it is that's going to cause that seed to grow. You wouldn't have a clue. So what do you do? So why do we plant it? We plant them because we know that if if we create an environment for that seed to grow, it's going to grow. We planted corn this year, put a few beans in. We got silver beet. If we create an environment round about that, if we water them, if we fertilize them, if we pull out the weeds from round about them, which seem to grow no matter what you do, 
If we do those things, if we create the right environment, then those seeds will grow. And it's a bit like your potential. If you just create an environment in your heart, it'll grow. The heart of a king is like rivers of water in the hands of the Lord. He can turn it this way and that. And so if you can place your heart in his hands, you know that he can guide you, he can direct you, he can get you going on the path that he wants you to go in. But the key is creating that environment in your heart, placing your heart in his hands, allowing him to have his way. And then the fruit of the Holy Spirit is going to grow and cause a healthy inner man. One of the ways to do this is to read God's word. Meditate on God's word. Start doing God's word because it will produce a growth environment in your heart. Creativity and fruitfulness all come out from within. So grow you in a man. I'm quite sure that many of you would have thought when I gave the example of Murray Tom that that was him. That was him and his creativity. But where did his creativity come from? He's a Christian. He hears from God. He meditates on God's word. I'm sure it was a God-inspired idea to rework that album and to cause great blessing in the body of Christ. We should be continually challenged by God's word and the Holy Spirit about the way we think, the way we act, the way we live. And we have the potential within us to walk away from sin rather than be drawn to it. And that brings me to my final point. If the musicians could just come, that would be fantastic. And that is become a person of prayer. Matthew 21, 13 says it's written. He said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a debt of robbers. Don't allow yourself to be robbed of your inheritance in God. Jesus declared over your life that you should be a house of prayer. That means that prayer should be a core value and a key discipline and feature of your lifestyle. If that isn't the case, determine that this is one area that you're going to change and grow in. Because without it, you're robbing yourself. You're robbing your family. You're robbing God. And you're living below your potential. You were created to commune with God and live out life out of that relationship. Jesus declared that we are houses of prayer. Everything else will flow from that. You know that one of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. But the reality is that God's plans and God's purposes for our lives will never come to pass unless we grow in our relationship with God, which is all about talking and spending time with Him. In fact, he goes on, he says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I'll be found of you, declares the Lord. 
You see, the plans and the purposes of God are found in Him. When we seek His face, then He shows us His hand. But if we're always seeking His hand, we never get to know His heart. And it's as He shares His heart with us that the abundance of the life that He's created for each and every one of us comes to fruition. Isaiah 55 verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near. And church, we're at a time when God is near. We can come into these meetings and we can sense the presence of God. We can go from here and we know that God's plans and God's purposes are being outworked. That we're in a time, we're in a season where God is answering prayers and that's really, really, really exciting. Because there are times that we read in the Old Testament where it's, the heavens were like brass. There's a time between the Old Testament and the New Testament and it's like in those 400 odd years, nobody heard from God. There was no prophetic word. People, it seemed, had to live life by themselves. But we're not in that time. We're at a time where God is near, where we can call upon Him and He answers us. God created us for Himself and the way that our relationship with Him grows and an effective life is built is through prayer. Your life will be changed through the power of prayer. Your family can be changed through the power of prayer. This church will realise its potential through the power of prayer. Our city can be changed as God answers the prayer of His people. And you can make a difference. You have the potential within you. You just need to create an environment for that potential to grow. And that environment is created through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Early this morning, just as I was half waking, half sleeping, God gave me a dream. And in that dream, there was a I was in a, with a whole group of people and there was this strong guy, wrestler. And he grabbed one of the people that were there and threw them to the ground and jumped on them and just absolutely smashed them to pieces. And it was obvious that this guy was the dominant guy in the group. And I came up to him and I put my hand on his shoulder and the strong guy just fell to the ground. And I knew the Holy Spirit was just beginning to touch him and was just breaking those bondages that were over his life that were causing him to do that stuff which was just unacceptable. And when I woke up, I began to ask God, God, was that just a cheese, cheese dream or was this actually you? And I felt the Holy Spirit was saying, there are people here this morning that you are bound by strong, you are bound by a strong man.
but God wants to set you free. And it's gonna, that freedom is going to come as you respond to the move of the Holy Spirit. And as people lay hands on you and break those chains of bondage, there's going to be freedom in your situation and your circumstance. So I want everyone just to stand with me this morning.